Good morning, church. Uh, this week, as I've been really asking the Lord what we should be praying about corporately, um, I felt this old song has been constantly on my mind, and I was surprised when I looked into a bit of a history of it, but it was actually published in 1922, exactly 100 years ago, although the words had been written a few years earlier by a lady called Helen Lemel, who was the daughter of a, a Wesleyan minister. She was born in 1863, and in her 98 years of life, wrote over 500 hymns and songs. But probably the one that's been on my mind is the one that's best known. It's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The chorus of the song is a beautiful reminder that as we look at Jesus, as we reflect on who he is and what he's done for us, as we acknowledge who we are because of Jesus, then the things of earth will grow truly dim. The last couple of years have been very different for all of us. For some there's been joy, for others pain. We look and see a broken world and are stunned by the chaos and hardship around us, especially arising from the COVID pandemic. Our hearts have been beating to a different rhythm, one of uncertainty. As we pray this morning, let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let us look full in his wonderful face, allowing the things of earth to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, together we pause in the midst of busy schedules and hectic lives to simply focus on you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the opportunity to freely come together this morning. We come humbly, ascribing to you all honour and glory. We turn our eyes away from the busyness and problems of the world, and with the hosts of heaven acknowledge your holiness and majesty. We recognise that no one but Christ can give real hope, comfort, joy, or peace. While so many things fight for our time and attention, we confess our total dependence upon you, Lord. You're the one who formed us, you gave us life, and you sustain us. Help us, Lord, to turn our eyes away from the material possessions that society and the media promote and relentlessly encourage us to strive after. Help us, Lord, to turn away from the fleeting pleasures and entertainment and other activities that entice our senses. Help us, Lord, to turn our eyes away from the day-to-day -day concerns that confront us and that bring only worry and distress. Forgive us, Lord, for the times when we feel anxious, stressed, discouraged or alone, for times when we fail to turn our eyes to you and seek the peace and comfort that you so freely offer. In the midst of day-to-day -day life, at those times when it's hard to forgive others, when it's hard to forgive ourselves, when it's hard to understand the world around us and the problems that arise, help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus. As the writer of Hebrews says, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Lord, we bring before you our specific prayers. We pray for families, especially those with young children and school-aged children. Lord, at this time when there are so many questions regarding schooling, we ask that you give parents special wisdom and strength. We pray for teachers and acknowledge the stresses that they are facing at this time of changing requirements and expectations. We pray for our leaders, both those in government and those in business. Lord, we ask for men and women who know and love you to be elevated into places of influence and authority. We give thanks for the health system that we enjoy in Australia. We particularly give thanks for and pray for medical staff who are currently placed under so many stresses. We pray for other nations where people are suffering from lack of medicines, lack of medical staff and lack of facilities. We pray for those who are ill and elderly, especially for those impacted by the COVID pandemic. We pray for the people of Tonga and the neighbouring islands who are facing such devastation following the recent volcano and tsunami. We think particularly of our Christian brothers and sisters in these places. We ask for doors to be opened, allowing relief aid to flow to those in need. We pray for unity across the body of Christ. May all churches follow and stay true to your word, preaching the gospel with boldness and reaching out to those in our society who are lost and left without hope. May Christians bring a message of hope in the midst of hopelessness. As the psalmist writes, Lord, you are good and your love endures forever. Your faithfulness continues through all all generations. Lord, we give you praise and thanks. May we each know the assurance that comes from the infilling of your spirit as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. May the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Anthony, God is good. And uh, you're going to know why I'm smiling in a second after Anthony's prayer. Um, before I get into my um, message this morning, just uh, it's great to be back. Uh, a big thank you to, to Willie and to Mike and to Dan last week. Wasn't Dan last week fantastic to have him come and minister to us? Uh, it was wonderful that you guys could um, come and, and, and fill this, this spot while we were on holiday. We had a, a great time at home, uh, relaxing and enjoying each other's company. So I just wanted to say thank you for you guys, uh, for your prayers and continued support. Um, but before I get into the message this morning, uh, I'm just aware that um, obviously <clears throat> there's a lot going on in our world at the moment. And uh, for example, last week we had to cancel our kids' uh, uh, program because of uh, lack of leaders based on the COVID restrictions and isolation and all sorts of things happening. And so the next few months are probably going to be fairly interesting for us as a church. Um, as we just continue to navigate what it means week by week. Uh, For example, it might be that the night before 
Um, I'm rostered to preach. I have to go into isolation. That'll be an interesting <laughs> time for the Sunday morning. But just aware uh, that this is affecting not only our community but for us as a church. And I know uh, there are many people online watching right now. You're, you're choosing to isolate at home uh, because of health reasons uh, or because of the restrictions upon us. And I know that there's uh, some of you at home also who have COVID. And so I just want to pray uh, before I get into the message this morning that uh, we would uh, trust that the God is faithful and that we, he will sustain us through this time. But it will look a little bit different. Um, but we're going to be trusting that we'll just support one another uh, week by week and uh, continue to, to move through this time. But let's just pray that right now. And Lord, I just want to particularly pray for those who are home uh, watching online this morning, uh, those who have been affected by this virus and who are dealing with it. Uh, there are many in our, our community who have it and or are in isolation because of it. But Lord, we thank you that you are present with them, uh, that you are walking alongside them in the midst of that, and that you will uh, heal them, that you will support them, that you will bring them into to full health and, and vitality and to continue to, to seek you uh, in all of their days. So, Lord, we just pray for us as a church as we navigate uh, this next little while with rosters and and people uh, isolating or not and coming and going. Uh, But, Lord, we thank you that, like Wayne prayed at the start, that you've called us together as a family and that, Lord, we should be meeting together when we can to lift up your name, to declare that you are our Lord and to give you the worth that you are due. And so, Lord, we just pray your, your covering protection over our community, uh, but also that you'll lead and guide us, uh, that we wouldn't be uh, worried or fearful, but that we'd be trusting in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, um, I want to start this morning with an observation, um, and that is that we are in 2022. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's my observation. <laughs> Uh, we are in 2022. Normally, when you start a year, it feels like the year starts with a bang, right? There's a sense of anticipation and what's before us and, and who knows what the, what the year is going to bring and isn't it exciting and, and, you know, it's, it's going to be wonderful and, and is anyone sensing that <laughs> this year? Or is there a sense of, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Uh, so rather than there being a, yeah, there's like a, uh, before us. I think this is illustrated in the fact that normally at the start of the year, there is a lot of talk about New Year's resolutions and what the year's going to hold and how we're going to change things and what's, what's, what we're going to be in, involved in. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard one little whisper of a New Year's resolution this year. Or is, that just, is that just me? Normally along social media, there's a whole heap of funny memes about whether we're going to fulfill our fitness regime or losing weight or I'm going to do something different this year. Haven't seen anything like that. I think it's an example of where our society is at this year. Rather than it being, yay, it's like, In fact, I haven't seen any memes. I had to um, find one. And I thought this one kind of summed it up. As we're leaving 2019, we're in the Greece kind of fun. It's going to be awesome. And now we're heading into 2022. We're in the Pulp Fiction era of <laughs> it's kind of how it feels, right? 
But here's my question, and it's a simple message this morning. Whether it, we're feeling, yeah, or whether we're feeling, what should our attitude be towards the year? As Christ followers, as people longing to grow more and more in likeness of Christ, those who are wanting to make a difference, regardless of our surroundings, regardless of our situation, what should our attitude be? In fact, I was thinking if I had a a New Year's resolution for this year, it would be I want to be more like Christ this year. I want to grow more in likeness of him. I want to focus on him. I want to look to him more and more this year because if I'm honest, last year was a bit of a... (laughs) And I don't want to allow that attitude to go into this year and to affect me in a way that I'm not turning my eyes upon Jesus. I've got, my, I've got in my notes here to make mention of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. How cool is that? That is so encouraging because when that sort of thing happens, we didn't, we didn't line that up. I didn't say, hey, what are you going to pray on? Hey, I'm going to preach on it. When that sort of thing happens, it's so exciting because I sense that there's a message, there's a word that even before us, before us even thinking about what we're going to be doing and saying, that God's wanting to say and encourage us in. And I pray that that be the case this morning, that as you open up your hearts to one line in the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus' teaching, that you would be encouraged that this year, particularly if you're feeling uh, that we would turn our eyes on Jesus, that we would look to him, look to the things of God and be pursuing those things over and above no matter what the circumstances surround us. Because I see in our world today a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of concern, a lot of uncertainty, And we're not used to that. In our Western world, we're used to everything being easy. In fact, as I see uh, our society um, and and the, the Western comfort being eroded away, I'm wondering whether God's in that. And that in that, he's using that to call people back to him. Because As Jesus spoke to people uh, in his day, they did not have a world like we have. They had a world like we worry about happening, where they were dependent on every day for their daily bread. They didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. Every day was a struggle. They didn't have all the comforts and luxuries that we have. And so as we... uh, look at the, what the world is happening around us, I wonder if God's going to be using this, not only in the church and calling us to rearrange our priorities, and that's really what this morning is about. It's about priorities. What do we prioritise? But as those who perhaps don't know him would look to the world and maybe look to God uh, in the midst of this trouble and trial. So Jesus was speaking to an audience who knew what it was like to suffer her to have uncertainty, to have worry and, and anxiousness. 
And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, focused a lot about his, his energy on this in his teaching. And in, in the mid, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has these words. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Speaking to the context of a world that was worrying, anxious, uncertain, where they were striving for what, worrying about what clothes they were going to wear, what they were going to eat for shelter. And Jesus says to this, in this context, and it feels like he's saying that to us today, don't Focus on those things. Don't let set your heart on those things. Set your eyes on, turn your eyes on Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you. It's a famous verse. We all know it. We all have sung it. I want to just unpack it quickly this morning and encourage you in these words of Jesus. But first of all, I want to tell you what this verse is not saying. And what many preachers perhaps have used it to try and convince you that it is saying. This is not a prosperity doctrine where if I go after God, if I seek God, if I serve God in the church, if I you know, give all of my resources to him, then he will bless me. That is not what Jesus is saying here. When it says all these things will be given to you as well, it's not whatever the things I want. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek after God and seek His kingdom, and then He's gonna give me my house and you know health and money and material things. That's not all the things. As Jesus talks about and all these things, He's talking about the context that I was talking about before, where people were dependent every day. Their work went towards putting food on the table, and then the next day their work went towards putting food on the table. All these things are the bare necessities of life. Shelter, clothing, food, and drink. So it's not saying everything is going to be fine and dandy and we're going to just have everything we want. Jesus is saying if we seek God and his righteousness, our basic needs are going to be provided for. We need to trust that God is our provider. We're saying this morning that he's perfect in all of his ways. He's a good father. He loves us and he will provide for all our basic needs. So <clears throat> the kingdom of God, this is still in the what it isn't saying, the kingdom of God is not the church. A lot of people have used this verse to say, if you serve in the church, if you go to church, if you participate in church, then all these things will be added unto you. The kingdom of God is actually where God rules and reigns, the sphere in which he has authority over his, his dominion. Just like a king in the old days that have a boundary of their, their kingdom, and if you, it's a fascinating thing if you do a, a, a biblical study on the kingdom of God or the heaven of, uh, kingdom of heaven, that Jesus and, and the word describes it in many different ways. It's, it's hard to define what actually the kingdom of God is, but a good definition is everywhere that God has authority over. In our world, 
in our relationships, in our innermost being. In fact, Jesus said the kingdom is in you. So the kingdom of God is not the church. It is not serving. It is the realm in which God reigns as Lord of all. So what? that's not what it is. What is it? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be given or added to you as well. I'm going to read to you the whole context so that we don't take this out of context. And I'm reading from the ESV on purpose because there's something that I want to bring out of it. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so closes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, which he, will, which he not much more clothe you, will, sorry, O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. That's that sense of He's got our back. He knows our basic needs. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, Now, if you were reading along in the NIV um, or another translation, you might have... um, where it says, for the Gentiles seek after these things, you might have had for the, for the pagans or those who don't know God. And what's interesting uh, in the text is we see the word seek twice. For the Gentiles seek after these things. I've got it here again. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but you instead, that's my putting in, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting is the word seek in verse 32 when it's talking about those who don't know God, that's described as the Gentiles or the, or the pagans, is this word, epizitio. It's a Greek word. And this Greek word describes seeking in a way to seek with all of might and with much sweat and much stress. And this is a great example of what we might be seeing around us. Or as if I am Lord of my own life and I'm, I'm in, in charge of making things all line up and, and happen, then my seeking after that would be stressful and would be with much toil and with much sweat. Because the, those who don't know God are stressed by those things because they don't know that our Heavenly Father will provide. 
that our Heavenly Father will, will make those things for us. And it can be the same in religiosity as well. In the stressing and the strain and the toil, if, if we are in the old covenant of trying to please God, it's about my efforts, about my striving, my, my, my pushing into that, rather than receiving and knowing the grace that he has for me in relationship in his kingdom as he's brought me into sonship. I am a citizen of his kingdom and I'm under his reign and under his protection and I receive his grace and I receive all that he has done for me in Christ and I don't need to strive and strain. So there's this sense of seeking and, and uh, trying and striving to get it, a bit like the game hide-and-seek that we play as children, as if, as, if, as if what we're looking for needs to be found because it's hidden. I've got to get to it. I've got to strive to get there. The, the grace and the goodness of God is not hidden. It is revealed to us in Christ. And we don't seek in a way that we strive to find something that's hidden and work at it. But we seek, verse 32, the word seek, is the Greek zito, which is to hunger, to pursue, to go after with intent. Do we go after? Do we hunger for? Do we pursue what God has already done for us? Or do we strive and strain and go after trying to look after ourselves? That is the contrast that Jesus is saying here between those who know God and those who don't know God. Those of us who trust in what Jesus has done in the finished work of the cross can rest in and know what he has done and every day turn our eyes to Jesus, to hunger after him, to pursue him, to go after him with the intent of receiving. It's, it, there's an intent here of actually getting. It's, it's not hidden. We're going to get what we're, we're after. As I was thinking about the word pursue, I was thinking about how this seeking might work in our everyday lives. And if we might turn our minds back to perhaps when we were younger, uh, those who are younger, maybe when it's going to come in a, in a few years' time, when we are pursuing our love, the one that we are wanting to spend the rest of our lives with, there's a sense of pursuing with intent, going after with the longing for and the hungering for that we would uh, be together. I remember when I was hungering for and pursuing Joe. I was going after her with all intent and... Uh, some of you are nudging each other, thinking about those days. And uh, it wasn't mutual. Uh, <laughs> I was pursuing her, but she thought that I was full of it and that I was a bit stuck up. In a, and to be honest, there was probably some reality there. <laughs> but that didn't deter me. I had intent to continue to pursue until I got what I was after. That's what Jesus is saying here. When he asks and commands us as followers to pursue the things of God as our first intent, with the intent of grabbing hold of it and having it. So we are seeking, but we're not just seeking, we're seeking first. 
This is where priority comes in. This seeking doesn't come as a secondary thing. It doesn't come uh, to pursue the things of God just as a Sunday thing, just as a when-it-comes-to-mind thing. Jesus says, seek first. Pursue first. Above all other things, go after me first. Now, here's the thing. If something is first, it's first. There aren't two firsts. (laughs) There can only be one first. And if something is first and something comes before that, that first thing is no longer first, it's second. It's a pretty simple concept, right? We were watching The Ashes and we were talking about, and they were saying that Joe Root was the, um, the top batsman in the world at the moment. The, the ranking, he was number one, Joe Root. And then during the course of The Ashes, Joe Root got knocked off his perch by Marcus Labergene. He's now number one. So Joe Root is no longer number one, he's number two because something else has been come to number one. Can you see that? So Jesus is saying here, prioritise the seeking after his kingdom. Let it be number one and don't let anything knock it off the list in your pursuit of priorities. It's a bit like that illustration that we, we see many times and you can use in many contexts where you've got a jar and you've got big rocks and you've got little rocks and you've got sand. And if you try and pour the sand in first and then the medium-sized rocks, you can't get the big rocks in the jar. But if you put the big rocks in the jar first and then the medium rocks, then you can pour the sand in around it. The pursuit of the kingdom of God is the big, biggest rock in our lives. And it's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. It's not just a COVID thing. It's a when everything is going well thing. If you've been around kids, particularly if you're a teacher and you get them to line up, uh, there might be something fun that they're going to do at the end of the line where it's get an ice cream or go down a water slide or whatever it is. And they all do the thing where they line up. And what happens when someone pushes in? The children go, oh, he pushed in on me. <laughs> right? There's this sense of injustice because I was going to be next. But something's pushed in, which has pushed me further back from receiving that that thing. As I was thinking about that concept, if we're first in line, if pursuing the kingdom is, is truly a first priority, sometimes things push in and make it further down the line. Sometimes more than one thing pushes in. And... Even though we have the intent of going after the things of God, pursuing it, sometimes things push in. I want to ask you a question this morning. In your life right now, what is pushing in? What is pushing in and taking priority? What is your Marcus Labergene pushing out Joe Root. Just think about that for a moment. 
Because we all have different circumstances, different things happening in our lives, different pressures, different relationship issues, different financial issues, different school issues. And Jesus here is saying, seek me first every day and don't let something push in and make that intent go further and further down the line. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now his kingdom, I want to just say, I want to talk about the internal part of what his kingdom is. See, before in the context we're talking about the, the Gentiles not, not knowing who God is, not knowing his love, his grace, his mercy. But those of us who follow Christ know what he has done for us and there's an internal joy that comes from knowing that he is Lord over our lives, that he is king, that I don't need to strain in order to please him, but he has adopted me in and I have sonship and I am co-heirs with Christ and I have received all that the good king offers his citizens and I am in his protection and I am in his realm. And knowing that in, it internally has an effect on the way I live externally, which is his righteousness. Righteousness simply means right way of living, living according to what God wants for us. And if we're honest, sometimes we don't live according to what he wants for us. But as we seek what he wants for us, not only do we see what he's done for us internally, but that outworks itself in the way in which we live externally as we pursue his righteousness, as we pursue becoming more like Christ, because that is what he has for us. I want to share a personal story that happened to me this week that illustrates this whole concept um, I received a letter in the post this week that I didn't want to receive, and it was a fine. Um, we, we bought a car, and um, we registered it and insured it, and uh, normally we have an SMS that tells us when to re... Uh, um, what's, the, what's the word? Um, register our car. But the, the SMS wasn't sent up. And normally we'd get something in the mail, but I, I don't know what happened. Maybe the kids open the mail and it's flying down the road or something. And it's up to us to know that our car needs to be registered, but we had no idea. It was unintentional. Our car was unregistered. And we went through a, a camera that caught the number plate that we were driving, and so therefore I was driving an unregistered car. So a fine came in the mail, and it was horrendous. <laughs> So can I encourage you, make sure you register your car because the fine is really horrible. But here's the thing. I was stressing. I was worrying because, you know, we've got to put food on the table and I know Joe works really hard to, to help 
um, sustain our finances, to make our, our home work well. And it was just plaguing my mind. I was thinking, oh, that money could have gone to missions or it could have gone towards this, could have gone towards paying back a debt. And now it's just sort of wasted. And I was just straight. I was, I was the first seeking. I was sweating. I was straining. I was worried. And it was the forefront of my mind. In fact, I would wake up in the night and I was, all I was thinking about was this jolly fine. And, oh, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> Joe was, jo was really good in it. She was just like, it's just what it is. We've just got to move on and just turn our eyes on Jesus and just follow him and we'll all be good. Thanks, Thanks for that. Um, and I, I, went to, I went to Bunnings and I was returning a whole heap of things. And what I do is when I return things at Bunnings, I photocopy the Bunnings receipts because they fade in the sun. I don't know if you've noticed that. So I photocopied them. I had all these A4 sheets of paper of my photocopied Bunnings receipts. And I was just returning some stuff through the year and getting ready. And then I went off and bought some other things. And in the, you know how they do the thing where they put the stuff in the middle of the aisle that they want to catch your eye with? It, it worked. I, I saw this fan sprinkler. And I thought, hey, that, that works well because you can just put it in the ground and rather than waste your sprinkler on the garden bed, it can just go on the lawn that you're wanting to sprinkle. And so I put it in the box and it found its way underneath all of the A4 sheets of paper of the, the photocopied Bunnings receipts. And then I went to go buy all the other things that I got that day, shower head and all sorts of things that we needed. And I walked out of there and I got home and I was unpacking and I saw the sprinkler and I didn't buy it. And you know what first thought came to mind? Well, there's... $11.99 off the price of the fine, right? <laughs> ooh, some of you are going, ooh. <laughs> it, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, there's justice. Don't have to pay $11.99 towards the massive amount of fine. And then I was, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I said, no, that's not righteous living. That's not seeking first his kingdom and the way he wants you to live. So I went back to Bunnings the next day, and I was expecting a fanfare. <laughs> I was expecting them to take my picture and put it up on the wall. Hey, look at this guy. He did the right thing. And I talked to the, the lady at the thing. Oh, I accidentally had this and didn't pay for it last week. Oh, no worries, love. Just pay for it this time. And that was it. <laughs> but the end of that story is that um, my family got together and we had a, a family thing and we received some money from my family towards a gift that was way more than we were ever going to think, that went way more towards paying off that debt than this did. See, God knew my needs. And when I sought after him and his kingdom and his righteousness. And as I lived the way that he wanted me to live, he provided for my needs. I wonder if any of you here have a story in your life where you've stressed and where you've strived, but where you've just given it over to him and he in a miraculous way has provided for you. Has anyone here got a story that you might want to share 
right now that might encourage us to see this concept and this principle opened up? Anyone? Thanks, Mike. I'm going back to the late 80s now when uh, we had uh, massive interest debts and uh, we were in a fair bit of trouble trying to pay some of the debts off and I'd been the senior uh, CFS officer in charge of Greenhill on Ash Wednesday and we'd left, uh, had damage to the house, got paid off by the insurance company and uh, we ended up in a, a little house in a uh, the city somewhere, and uh, we had something. Like, I'm going to give a figure because I can't remember exactly what it was. But it was about six thousand eight hundred and something dollars we owed in debts, and just didn't have the money to pay it. And I got a knock on the door uh, from a guy who said he was an insurance assessor and wanted to know whether my claim from the Ash Wednesday damage to our old house. Had been all needed to be claimed, and I said, "Oh yes, I did." And he said, "Wasn't there some other damage you found later?" And I said, "Oh yes, that we had a big tank and the galvanised iron rusted on it afterwards, and, but I didn't claim at the time." And he said, "He said, oh, well, that that had cost so much." And then he said, oh, "Didn't you have damage to your car?" And I said, "Oh yes, a bit, and that wasn't claimed." And we ended up with trees and all sorts of stuff. And at the end of the day, he said there'll be a check in the mail for this in the next week or so, and it was for the six thousand eight hundred and whatever dollars. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, God. Yeah. Anyone else got a story in their life? Early on in our marriage, my credit card had gotten out of control and uh, I was very keen to go to Hillsong. I'd never been and it was coming up for their 10th anniversary and I thought this has got to be the year that I'll go. And Richard said, no, you can't go, you haven't got the money to go. We had a cutting up the card ceremony and uh, and I just prayed about it. I thought, Lord, if I'm going to go, you'll need to help me. And very shortly after that, I received a letter in the post say, with a cheque for some uh, superannuation from a job I'd had years ago and that was tidying up the super and it was for the exact amount I needed for the uh, to register. I, I had the money to pay for my airfare, but I didn't have the $180 to register for Hillsong, so I was able to go. Perhaps one more? This isn't in my life, but I was reading a missionary book and the missionary's daughter got sick and she didn't want to eat anything. But then one day she said, well, I really want some jello. And I don't know what that is, but... And they didn't have any, but it was the only thing that she wanted to eat. And they often got these missionary packages from people 
sending it to them to help them in their ministry overseas. And in this missionary packet that they got that day, there were two packets of Jello, which they didn't have, but the little girl really wanted to eat. So I think that was an answer to prayer. Thanks, Skylar. I was going to talk about the nature of righteousness and it's important that it's not about our righteousness but his righteousness. See, none of us can live up to the standard that, that God has for us but Jesus is our righteousness. And so there's actually a double funny thing that's happening in this verse. We should go after his righteousness which is the standard but it's also his righteousness that is given us in Christ, his standard. But I just want to end, as you think about all the things that are in front of you this year, whatever stress, whatever um, concern, whatever uncertainty, to give it to God. I was, I was researching and I came, came across this great quote from John Piper and I just want to end oh is it not there no it's not there I might have added it later that's all right I'll read it to you instead of being anxious seek first God's kingdom in other words when you think about your life or your food or your clothes or your spouse or your job or your mission or COVID don't fret about them Instead, make God the king of that affair in that moment and hand over the situation to his kingly power and do his righteous will with the confidence that he will work for you and meet all of your needs. I'm going to read that again. Seek first God's kingdom. In other words, when you think about your life or your food or your clothes or your spouse or your job or your mission, don't fret about them. Instead, make God the king of that affair and in that moment and hand over the situation to his kingly power and do his righteous will with the confidence that he will work for you and meet all of your needs. I just want to go back to the very start where I said, are you, are you full of vigour for this year or are you... Uh, Because regardless of where you find yourself, this principle applies. This principle applies whether you have a job or you don't have a job. This principle applies whether you're healthy or whether you're sick. This principle applies whether you're here or you're not here. This principle applies whether I'm wealthy or whether I'm poor. Whatever situation you are in, Jesus says, go after, pursue, prioritise my ways, my will for you, the things of God, first and foremost, and I'll look after everything else. Your basic needs will be provided for. Trust me. We're going to sing a song now. But before we do that,
Can I just encourage you to stand? Can we stand? Can I encourage you to close your eyes? Often, often when we stop and close our eyes, what comes to the forefront of our minds are our, our biggest concerns or the things that we are prioritising to think about. Perhaps it's that thing that's pushing in, that's causing pressure. Just as you've got your eyes closed and as you think about the word that's been spoken this morning, Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to bring to the forefront of your mind what's pushing in, what's taking priority in your thought life, what's taking priority in your thinking, in your stresses. And in this quiet time, ask God to make his kingdom and his righteousness, again, the priority, the thing that is first in your mind. And that as you wake up tomorrow, that you would pursue him with the intent of knowing that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he provides for you that he will look after you. Will you give those things to God? So Lord, we just pray right now that your spirit will be at work. Lord, forgive us of where going after you has become second, third, tenth on our list of things that we do in our lives. Lord, we repent of that and ask that you would put in proper place the order of our priorities and our thinking. Lord, that we would pursue you with everything we have, that no matter what circumstances are pushing in, no matter what problems, no matter what stresses, Lord, that we'd go after you with all our heart, that we would see the things of God, and that they would bring joy, that they would bring peace, that they would bring a settledness of heart in our minds. Lord, just pray for everyone here, everyone online, that you would come and have your way in their hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue to stay standing. We're going to sing a song that just declares that we need God. (laughs) We don't need to strive. We don't need to push We need to go. Oh, you're bursting to say something. Yeah, sorry, I just said I was trying not to come up, but just I had to come up. You, I'm indeed. Not a very, um, yeah. Um, I just had to say this. I'm not sure for who this is, but there have been many instances in my life because there have so many needs and so many requirements and, you know, despair. And I have had a fine, a registration fine because my husband forgot to open the letter and yes it's a horrible fine so I've been there Um, 
One day I was, I traveled by train and I was really despairing and I read this message about Abraham taking his son Isaac for a sacrifice and Isaac kept asking him, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham kept saying, Lord will provide. And that was one of the messages that, and he's Jehovah Jireh. And I thought, I don't know for who this is, but I just couldn't sit there. And so I thought I'd come in and share that message. Thank you. Thank you. So that, just want to continue on that. That might be a word for someone. You might be hearing the message this morning. You say, yeah, he's our provider, but where is it? How can that possibly be? That might be you this morning. You, you know that. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But as you're walking up the hill of despair, you're saying, where is, where is it? Where is the provision? How can that possibly be? If that's you this morning, we'll seek out prayer. Or maybe, maybe as we sing this next song, this song says, I need you. And it, it opens up the reality that we can't fix things ourselves. Every hour of every day, we need his grace in our lives. And this song, in the, in the chorus, some, some people get funny with it because of the way it's phrased. It says, my one defence, my righteousness. It's not saying that my defence is my righteousness. It's saying our defence is his righteousness that he's given to us. So as you continue to receive this morning, as we sing, I just encourage you to lift your hands, to kneel, to open up your heart. And as you think about that thing that's pushing in, you say, Lord, I need you. As you think about that situation where you go, where is the provision? How could that possibly be? Call out to God this morning and say, I need you. Oh, I need you. Let's do that together.
Yeah, we uh, sure need the Lord. Sam, thanks. Thanks for sharing that word with us this morning. Uh, it actually took me back, I reckon, to the year 1984 when I came to know the Lord. Uh, and there was a lot of verses that had a profound impact on my life. But that one particularly, I think the Lord said to me at that time, actually calling in you into a, a new life that's kind of counterintuitive because at that point, I figured it was me that had to focus on things, plan things, be in control, seek after things. He said, no, seek me first. These other things will fall into place, but seek me first. Um, And whilst it had an impact and set me on a path, it's not, not that I had it nailed back then. I've got to be reminded over and over and over again. Uh, each day because the tendency I think is always to try and wrest control um, for us to be king and not for him to be king so thanks for reminding me Sam Um, yeah Um, I'm sure there's lots of stories I could tell lots of stories there'll be others here where we've actually looked to the Lord first and how he's actually worked things through and worked things out in our lives so yeah that's great Um, we've come to the end of the service now Uh, have you come today looking for prayer Um, Have you come just being convicted of the need that we have for the Lord? If you want to uh, stand with someone and pray over those things, there's the opportunity to join um, someone now in the prayer room. If you're joining us online, a link will actually come up um, at the end as well that you can click on and fill out a form, and that, that connects with our pastoral care team. So there's a point of contact there that you can make a need known as well. So, yeah, if, if that's you... Please, please click on that, fill it out, and someone will be in contact with you. So, yeah, um, trust you have a, a great week ahead that um, as, as we all put God first and King in our lives, we'll just see him at work in ways that surprise us. So, yeah, and please stick around for a while. If you'd like a, a chat, please do so. And, yeah, God bless you all now. Thank you. Lord, I need you.